0: This is the Place for a Purpose podcast. We want to help you live out what Jesus said was the most important thing you could do with your life. Love God and love your neighbor, including your next door neighbors.
1: So we're gonna keep neighboring on your mind by encouraging you with practical ways to connect with those next door so you can live knowing you've been placed for a purpose because your address is not an accident and neither is your neighbor's.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Placed for a Purpose podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Elizabeth McKinney. And Elizabeth, what would you say most people think of when they hear the word hospitality? Hmm. What comes to mind?
1: I like that word. I would say entertaining Mm -hmm. is probably the first kind of $10,000 pyramid answer that people might give. I think of the book that you just read, that you were telling me about unreasonable hospitality—someone kind of going the extra mile to make a space welcoming, whether it's through food or interior design, like a really beautiful space, like kind of bringing someone in and yeah. hosting them,
0: making them feel good, feel comfortable. And even in that book, it was kind of even trying to impress them a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going a, that extra mile—a little bit of that. Yeah. A clean house, well-set table, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and those things aren't bad. Those are actually really good things about hospitality. But i kind of reminded of Inigo Montoya from The Princess
1: Pride,
0: (laughs) right? His famous line, you keep using that word hospitality, but I do not think it means what you think it means. That's a good Inigo Montoya. <laughs> That's good. It's
1: taking me back there.
0: Yeah. So I think all the things you said could fit into a cultural definition of hospitality. Again, really yeah. good things. But in scripture, we find a more full, richer definition of what hospitality is. And really, we see it's the welcome and love of the stranger and the outsider.
1: Yeah. And we all have stories of being the outsider, I have one. Back to my middle school days. Oh,
0: no, not middle school. Please don't do it. We
1: have two middle schoolers right now. It's a tough time. We're going through it. We are going through it again, which I didn't want to relive my middle school days. But when I think back to middle school, that's what I think of. I think of being an outsider. I think of my short, very short, feathery haircut, my Sally, Jesse, Raphael glasses, which if you don't know who Sally Jesse Raphael is, you don't really need to Google her <laughs> right now. But I mean, I had the braces, a very strong lack of fashion sense. And overall, I just kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in. I was always running for every school office and usually either not getting the office or getting alternate. I, like felt like, I felt Abraham like, Lincoln. yes, yes, yes. I felt like Abraham Lincoln. But then there was a girl in the seventh grade who she just kind of took me under her wing, so to speak. She brought me in. And not to overstate things, but she kind of changed the trajectory, the social trajectory of the rest of middle school and even on into high school and really of my life. I mean, that sounds dramatic, but There I was. I mean, I didn't have a lot of confidence. I had low self-esteem. I was missing some of the social cues and whatever. And she just, she just enjoyed me. She liked me. She brought me in. And so you'd think today I would kind of have my eye on the outsider, that I'd be (laughs) just aware and trying to bring those outsiders in. And I wish I could say I was more like that. I think if I'm honest, I still think a lot about myself. I can kind of struggle with being in that survival mode of either wanting to get in or to stay in. I'm not always thinking about how others are feeling, whether at church or just in social settings. I'm thinking more about me.
0: Yeah. And I think that's very relatable for all of us. And so as we talk about, hospitality in the context of neighboring i think there is that tension with with home we come home and we want home to be a place to rest recharge and retreat which is really good we want our homes to be a place where we can invite our friends and family in and we can host them and do all those things which is great but there's also this other element of hospitality and if we want to live in God's story in our neighborhoods and move towards our neighbors. It's great to have people in that we know and that we love, but are we saving room? Are we saving some food at the table, a spot at the table for our neighbors who may not be connected to a church community or experience some of those things that we've gotten to experience? So let's look at the New Testament here. I mean, you can see even in Hebrews, our word for hospitality, it comes from two Greek words, that Paul uses to kind of, he kind of puts them together. So in Hebrews 13, 2, he says, don't neglect to show hospitality. And that word there is philo, so love, you think of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, and xenia, stranger. So it's kind of the love of the stranger. That word there is what he uses for hospitality.
1: And then later in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul writes about widows who are needing support and how the church needs to be a place of that hospitality, be in the habit of showing hospitality. And he uses the word xenodikeo, which is made up of two Greek words, xenos, again, like you said, stranger, and then receive, dekomai, receiving the stranger. So when we hear these words, about Philozenia and xenodecao, however you pronounce them correctly, we can really hear the heartbeat of hospitality, yeah. that it's not just that idea of entertaining and trying to impress people with our good cooking or good decorating, but it's, it's a heartbeat of love that's expressed through a welcoming presence that really receives and welcomes the stranger, the outsider.
0: Yeah, and when we hear... <laughs> that that is the heartbeat of hospitality, it kind of beckons us and draws us into remembering how God welcomed us and loved us when we were strangers to Him.
1: I'll be honest, though. When I hear the word stranger, I think stranger danger. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, in a sense, I'm already thinking about when I come home, I want to be able to kick up my feet. I want to be able to relax. So now I'm like not only trying to shift my idea of Hospitality from my own needs to others, but I'm also now thinking about strangers. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of like like that makes me think of like suspicion. Yeah. And that's kind of tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a countercultural calling to show hospitality in this way. And and we use wisdom, right? And there's different ways that you can show hospitality in different spaces. But if we're going to push into this, we need to go back and remember the gospel and remember how God welcomed us in. It has to start there. Paul says this in Ephesians 2.12, Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so I think we draw from that experience of being brought in, and it pushes us in good ways to remember that, again, we do this out of the experience of being brought in through Christ by God. And it's not always going to feel like the easiest thing to do, but we can start with the gospel, and that helps take those next steps.
1: Right. Yeah. And even thinking back to the Old Testament, some of the people of God probably felt some of these same feelings because they were told that they needed to welcome the stranger. I'm thinking back to Leviticus, where they were told, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So they were having to draw from their own experience of, okay, remembering what it was like to be the outsider and to treat the sojourner, the stranger, the outsider— as one of their own. And that couldn't have been easy. I'm sure there was some stranger danger. I'm sure there was some suspicion, some, okay, this feels kind of hard.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, the implication is huge, right? So when God places them in the land for the purpose of reflecting his character to the neighbors, to the nations around them, a major way that this was going to happen was how they treated the sojourner, and the stranger, right? They were called to treat them in a different way so that the neighboring nations be like, wow, that's crazy. They treat these people who don't belong as if they belong. And just thinking about today in our environment, you know, what if that was the case today? What if one of the main ways that we could point people to Jesus was how we treated? Those who were on the outside or strangers in our neighborhood, right? How we treated the new people who moved into the neighborhood, the ones who might be vulnerable, the ones who may not have as many friends and connections as we do. Maybe those that are far from their families. Maybe it's a refugee family that just moves into the neighborhood. Reaching out and showing that kind of hospitality could be huge, right?
1: I think it's hard, though, because I think we feel like we're the vulnerable ones. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm vulnerable in that sense. And so it pushes me to think about, well, what are others' vulnerabilities? Yeah. How are my neighbors maybe vulnerable?
0: Yeah. So this kind of theme of hospitality in this way, we see it is, it is deeply rooted in the story of God's people all the way back from Egypt continuing into the New Testament and it continued even into the early church in the 200s and 300s in the Roman Empire there's plenty of people like Rodney Stark who write about the hospitality that the early church showed to those around them mm. especially during times of plague right when when plagues would kind of sweep through the empire everybody would be fleeing to the countryside and the Christians the church would stay and help nurse people back to hell. Sometimes they would even die because of that, because they were staying around and they would catch whatever was going around. It, but, but like... People took notice. People of that. took notice. And he said it was kind of hospitality that was shown in that way or in other ways in helping the poor, people outside of the church. That was one of the main contributors to the explosion mm. of Christianity in the Roman Empire. It was really a powerful kind of demonstration of God's love to the neighbors. The neighbors, them. yeah. Yeah.
1: But then you think about how things have changed. And Christine Pohl wrote about this in her book Making Room, which she says it much more eloquently than I'll be able to, but she kind of chronicles that change up through the late Middle Ages, when for a variety of extensive reasons, the notion of hospitality came to be identified with lavish entertainment of the rich and powerful. And it still influences our view today because hospitality became this romanticized, commercialized, glamorized idea where it was seen more as something that was used to gain favor and power rather than to give power away. Mm -hmm. So it was more of a performance, which we can kind of relate to, right, rather than a service. And so the audience had shifted from those on the margins, like you were saying, the vulnerable to those who were thought to be worthy recipients. And so rather than breaking down status distinctions, hospitality became thought of as a practice where those were reinforced. And that's, I mean, even in our churches today, like I was saying, when I think of hospitality and when I'm showing up, yeah. I'm not always thinking who is unnoticed. I'm more thinking who is noticing me. That's how I think of hospitality, which yeah. is sad, the change.
0: Yeah, Again, we talk about kind of the cultural currents, that cultural definition of hospitality is very strong. And it's going to take a little work to push against that and open up that definition to include the outsider and the stranger. It's going to start with a posture. Really, hospitality is a heart posture. It's moving from being afraid and being kind of like, I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I want to (laughs) even. I don't want to engage with those on the outside to wanting to want, or even if it's just wanting to want to want Mm -hmm. to show that welcome. And the stakes are high, right? You know, as we are cold and distant to our neighbors or those on the outside, it can communicate that the God we follow is cold and distant. Mm -hmm. But as we show welcome, even in the smallest of ways, and we're going to talk about that here in a second, we kind of point to a God who is present, who is welcoming, who welcomes all people into his family and into that
1: community. Is that a quote from Simplest Way to Change the World? Yes, probably. Hospitality. I was say that, we that's... need to put that in the show notes.
0: <laughs> I didn't come up you with that. You did not
1: come up with that, Chris McKinney. <laughs> yeah. So give us some small steps like, okay, how do we have this kind of posture, as you put it, a posture of hospitality?
0: Yeah. Well, I love what Henry Nowen says when he talks about Good job quoting him, referencing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Brandon
0: <laughs> Clements. <laughs> Didn't mean to rip your stuff. So Henry Nowen says, you're not doing hospitality to try to change someone. You're trying to create a space where change can happen. So if you take that definition of hospitality, that means hospitality can happen anywhere at any time because our hearts are in a place and a posture of welcome. So hospitality can happen at the mailbox. Hospitality can happen as you're walking through your neighborhood and you see your neighbor and you stop. And you have this posture of welcome. And so I think, again, we talk about some of these small steps, but waving, smiling, I think names, learning someone's name. Names are huge. Names are a huge way to practice hospitality in our neighborhoods. And it's a small step, but can feel like a big step. But it is a step that moves us from strangers to acquaintances to friends, maybe. That's a
1: Dave Runyon thing, too. To
0: being in the family of God.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I think we heard him share that in a talk once. And in Dave Runyon's book, The Art of Neighboring, he talks about the art of receiving and how that's also part of hospitality. It's yep. not just being the capable one, the person in power, because then you don't have a mutual relationship. Right. Like we want to show up and have a posture of hospitality and kind of host so to speak, even if it's at the mailbox, like you said, but it has to be two-sided. I'll read something from that section from his book. He says, when giving is one-sided, it robs the needy one of his dignity because it makes him dependent. But when giving is two-sided, everyone feels a sense of worth. Receiving takes humility, and it can even feel wrong to impose on someone else. It requires vulnerability. And that's been true for us. Like, I think when we first started neighboring, we started thinking about this posture and getting to know people. And that was a great check for us to kind of ask, okay, are we just always going to be the givers?
0: Right. Cause we get into it. Like we're like, oh, yeah. We work hard. We yeah. want to provide all the things, do all the things. And it was a good check early on to be like, no, 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 we need to be asking for help right. and we need to incorporate people. And it actually reminds me of the story. Of a couple, a family here that we were talking about neighboring with. And he told me the story where he needed to aerate his lawn. And he didn't have a pickup truck to go get the equipment, but his neighbor did. And so he went over and asked if his neighbor would want to do it with him. So they would use his truck, aerate his lawn, and then the neighbor's lawn as well. Smart. Which I mean, I still to this day I hear, and I'm like, ah, that sounds so vulnerable. Like I hate asking for help in that way. Like. But what happened was incredible. And I still think about this and it motivates me to ask for help in our neighborhood. So they, they got the aerator, they came back, they did his lawn, then they did the neighbor's lawn, spent the day together. It was a great point of connection. And then after they had finished, the guy that we were telling me the story, he said, well, you know, thanks so much for helping me and for letting us use your truck. Would you and your family wanna come over for dinner yeah. as a way to say thank you? Genius. So, so asking for help, was a way that ended up he was able to end up welcome him and his yeah. family into their home and demonstrate hospitality. So I think being needy is a good way to show hospitality
1: because then the it's like no one's feeling like a project. yeah, everybody, everybody is receiving. Yeah. It, it's reminding me of the Old Testament passage where Jeremiah is talking about the people of God being sent into exile into Babylon. And instead of telling them, hey, you're just going to be here for a short stint. Don't get too into this place. Just kind of...
0: Separate from it. Keep to yourselves.
1: Right. Stay in your... Israelite bubble. Yeah, (laughs) And he doesn't say that. And instead, he says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons and daughters, multiply. And then he says, and seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find welfare. And I think that's been true for us as we've Really rooted ourselves into the neighborhood and been so incredibly blessed by it as we've sought the welfare of the neighborhood. In its welfare, we've found welfare.
0: Yep. So this week, let's remember, right, that God has welcomed us, that at one point we were strangers, we were his enemies, and he moved towards us in Christ and he welcomed us. And let's let that motivate us change our hearts so that we can show hospitality to our next door strangers and we'll consider all the challenges and costs in that but have a change in mindset and posture from suspicion to welcome thanks for tuning in leave us a comment with your thoughts on today's episode or let us know other topics related to neighboring you want to talk about or follow the link in the show notes to share a neighboring story with us Tell us what you're trusting God for in your neighborhood and how you're seeing God at work. You can also follow Placed for a Purpose on Instagram, and you can help others find us by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this episode with a friend.